Good morning, church. How's everyone doing today? You're looking good. Pura vida. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sounding very, very voluminous. <laughs> Thank you, Randall. Thank you very much. Okay, this is totally off the script. We're going to hit a couple of housekeeping items here. I'm going to bring Christian up, and he's going to give us a quick little recap slash summary of the trip that the GC team has been on in Costa Rica this past week. Friends, I didn't lay my head on the pillow till like 2 a.m., and I'm like, I'm like running on pure adrenaline and Holy Ghost this morning. So I'm going to pour it all out, and I'm going to go home and crash. Come on up here, man, and uh, give these guys a recap real quick. Oh, bro, I've drank so much coffee. Good morning. Yes, we just got back from Costa Rica. We did, uh, we had some youth with us. Joseas was with us in the back, back there. Um, and we did a lot of kids and youth ministry. We led a, a youth youth service one night while we were there. We, um, we went up to um, uh, uh, a place up by a banana plantation and did kids ministry and almost like a kids, mini kids camp there, but I want to share one quick testimony. We were asked to partner with the church we were with to go to a, a school, and they wanted us to paint, and we were like, well, we can do more than paint, but we was like, okay, let's go in and paint, but we also decided, we asked the principal if during the recess time, can we go out and play with the kids and interact with the kids, and we were there for three days, and the first day we were there, the principal basically, he was giving us a layout of the school, and he said, I don't want you guys to do anything religious, but you can do whatever you want to do. Okay, so we're like, okay, so we would paint, we would go, and then that bell would ring, and we would go out there and play soccer. You know, I'm not, I'm not huge into soccer, so I, I found a basketball and pumped it up. They didn't have a hoop, so we just played basketball keep away. <laughs> oh, man, but those kids, they were, they were loving it. Um, and we also played some soccer, and they played with chalk. But, so we were there for three days. That last day, uh, the principal called us into his office, and he was saying, he was sharing some of his story and his passion for the school, and he said, will you pray for us? Will you pray for me? And uh, the kids, the youth, we all took turns praying, and the presence fell. And um, Isaac Amabel, I don't think he's here this morning. I think he might have been at the first service. Gave the principal a word just saying that the Lord is proud of you. And he started crying. Everyone else started crying. So it was a good time. It was powerful. Friends, you guys would have been so proud uh, of this team. And here's what I can tell you. The, the nations of the world, man, they are hungry. They are hungry for the gospel of Jesus to be preached in clarity, with boldness, with power, with authenticity. In fact, the very first day that we arrived, both of our contacts, the pastor and his sister, who just happens to be like the executive administrator of the church and all their ministries, they opened up and they just said, thank you so much for coming. It has been such a challenging and difficult two years and we're tired, and we're weary, and we needed you to come at this time. We needed you to strengthen us, and we have been waiting for you to come. And so what, a, what an incredible blessing. A week ago today, I was preaching in a church on Pentecost Sunday, and friends, man, I tell you, if there was any other place in the world, I, I hate missing Pentecost at, at my home. I just, I hate it. But if there was any other place that I would rather be, it probably should be. It's preaching on Pentecost somewhere else in the nations of the world, right? Yeah. Uh, Jonathan was preaching at a church in Romania. And so you guys, you guys sent us out and you sent us out well. And I appreciate that. Thank you for praying for us. And thank you for, be ascending house, for being ascending house. It was amazing. Uh, okay, here's a couple of things. I just, um, 
this is totally off the cuff, which is Jonathan loves it when I do this, right? <clears throat> I am just curious. We've been having this ongoing debate uh, in our staff meetings, and this has been going on for quite some time. It's not really a debate. We're just really trying to analyze uh, our data to see whether or not it's a good thing for us to remain uh, with two services during the summer. So I'm just curious if we did a combined, we, we, we went back to one service for 10 a.m., and we just did that for, let's say, July and August, maybe even the past the last two weeks of June. Uh, who, would that, who would that work for? And let me just see by show of hands. How many of you, how many of you are just like folding your arms and going, no, we want to be our own independent 11 a.m. <laughs> how, how many, let me just see, just, just for kicks and giggles. Like we just want to be, we are the 11 a.m. service. No, nobody. Wow. Wow. Yeah. T- <laughs> um, well, I tell you what, our, our 9 a.m. service, guys, don't tell anybody. And uh, this is being live streamed. So it doesn't matter that I say don't tell anybody, but they need you. They need you. <laughs> They need your life and your energy and your vitality and your passion and your conviction. Um, so, okay, well, that's helpful. We'll, we're going to do some more thinking and praying about that. I can tell you it will really help with uh, the volunteer bench for children's ministry. And uh, there's a lot of great benefits towards it. What I don't want to happen is for us to kind of just kind of get lulled into a place of passivity and for us not to continue to re- uh, retain a growth mindset. All right, so, um, and then maybe when we do go back to two services, we can do it a little bit more strategically. So I'll I'll let you know what we decide on that here in a couple of weeks. Um, And please be mindful of the fact that we are doing Picnic in the Park differently than we've done it in years past. So typically what we'll do is we'll set up and we'll have a sound system out there and we'll worship in the park together. We're not doing that. Our worship is going to be our fellowship. All right? Cool. Okay, so if you're here with us today for the very first time, welcome. My name is Jay Duncan. How did Jason Jackson do last week, you guys? Yeah, was that phenomenal? Left you in good hands. Um, I'm so glad you did that because, again, it's being live streamed. So if it was, you know. Okay, let's, let's stop all the shenanigans, right? Let's, let's dive in. Guys, I am going to preach a message that uh, I preached last week, but I'm going to expand it today. And if I were here last week on Pentecost Sunday, this is a message that I would preach. So I'm going to be talking about the Holy Spirit who is at work in Pentecost. The Holy Spirit at work in Pentecost. And I'm going to just hit the ground running. So grab your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 4, and then we're just going to dive in. How many of you guys are ready for an impartation this morning? I feel today that what I'm going to speak on really is, it's a deposit. It's a deposit into the DNA and into the lifeblood and the bloodstream of this house. Uh, when, you, when you talk about New Life Midtown, when you talk about Pastor Jade, there's a couple of things that are like clear DNA strands. Obviously, sonship and daughterhood and the Father's love. Like that is a cornerstone message that we have here. Uh, understanding the global heart of God, that, that he doesn't just love America, that God loves the nations of the world. Very, very important here. Um, but what I'm going to talk about today is also something that I believe is critical for you. It's critical for us as individuals living the Christian life, and it's critical for us as a church in this hour. And so uh, let's pray and ask the Lord to uh, be clear, 
to bring revelation, to bring truth in a way that not even I could bring, but that only comes by way of the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray today that your spirit will be poured out again, afresh and anew on all flesh. We ask, O oh God, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus that we may know you better. We ask that you would open up the eyes of our understanding. We ask, O oh God, today that your spirit would connect dots, God, that you would fan the flame of our hunger. Father, we pray that you would pour out the spirit upon our lives. Create within us, God, a, a deeper hunger, even a desperation. God, we must encounter you. We must encounter the living God today. We've gathered here today to encounter you. We've, got, we've not come for fat boy ice creams, God. We've, we've not come for just good music. We have come to encounter the living God. In the preaching of the word, in the table, in and amongst the people, we must have you, God. Yes. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray today, speak to us. Yes. Open the ears of our heart. Anoint me afresh and anew for the 11 a.m. God, I don't want the anointing I had in the 9 a.m. I need anointing now. And we need an anointing to hear and to receive and to understand. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to go a little bit long. Okay. <laughs> Acts chapter 2. Here we go. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Notice that they were all together in one place. Notice that it filled the whole house. So you have this collective, corporate, outpouring, move of the Holy Spirit. And yet there is also an individual move because tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. Everything that God does touches our lives both individually and corporately. Everything that God does in the corporate environment, he's not only blessing the house collectively, he is also doing something in every one of us uniquely and individually. And everything that he's doing in your life uniquely and individually, when you're sent out on mission to walk in formation with God outside of these gatherings, it's also for the strengthening of what he's doing collectively. Are you, are you seeing that? It's, ooh, man, somebody, y'all, y'all, it works together. So there were tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Verse 4, all of them. Right? So he fills the whole house. They were all together in one place. The Spirit separates and rests on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues, not under their own volition, but they began to speak as the Spirit enabled them. Now, because I like you guys, you're going to get some things the first service didn't get. I want you to think about every time you see things that are in the New Testament. The New Testament writers had such a breadth and depth of the Old Testament scriptures that you actually see all of these echoes, all of these throwbacks. And so when you see breath, the breath of the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Holy Spirit, when you look throughout the entirety of the scripture, a lot of times wind and breath are a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. You find this all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. 
In Genesis chapter 1, there was darkness that covered the entirety of the cosmos. And God begins to speak. And everything, the scripture says the earth was null and void. It was void. It was, it was formless. And when God speaks, the Holy Spirit or the breath of God was hovering over the waters and he begins to create by the spoken, commanded word of God. Then we find in Genesis chapter 2 when God creates humanity, forms them out of the dust of the earth and breathes the breath of life. And it says that they became a living being. Ezekiel chapter 37, we find that God pulls the prophet out and he has them look out at a valley of dry bones, which we sang about today, right? You turn bones into armies. And so through this dialogue that God has with Ezekiel, Ezekiel was commanded to prophesy to the four winds that the breath of God would enter into things that were once living but are now dead. There are things in your life that were once living but are now dead. And the same spirit that created the earth in Genesis 1, the same spirit that brought clay beings into living humanity made in the image of God, the same spirit that breathed prophetically over this valley of dry bones is the same spirit that illuminated the wind to breathe over that church that was not a church before Pentecost Sunday. Are you seeing that today? Like literally hours before that moment, and I love verse 2, it said suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. It's like when you follow God in faithfulness and obedience, you position yourself for the suddenlies of God in your life. You can't schedule the suddenlies of God. The only way that you can schedule the suddenlies of God is by the timetable of obedience. Obedience positions you for the suddenlies of God in your life individually, in your marriage. How many of you can think about moments in your life where there was just this linchpin, something changed, something changed. I love when Sidron comes up here because I feel like he just, he opens up his life and he shares us these linchpin moments. I was cruising along and the Lord just went dink and all of a sudden the entire trajectory of my life changed. That's a suddenly. The reason why I'm so passionate about what God is doing in the nations is because of a suddenly that took place when I was in college. It happened at ORU Missions Chapel. I was sitting up on the balcony, and God said, Son, I want you to go to the nations. And so when I went, he showed up in another suddenly. And when I was out there in Indonesia listening to the Muslim call to prayer at 9 a.m., God spoke into the very depths of my being. And he said, son, I don't just love America. I love every people group on the planet. That was a suddenly. It was a suddenly that came way by the voice of God and revelation that changed the entire trajectory of my life. And when we walk in faithfulness and obedience, we put ourselves in a place for God to move in suddenlies in our lives. Now, notice that not only do we find that the Spirit of God is, is breathing uh, by way of wind, right? This, the sound of a violent, rushing wind. It could have said just rushing wind. It could have said just a violent wind. But the Scripture tells us that suddenly the sound of a violent, rushing wind Notice, you know what that is? You know what a violent rushing wind is? Chris knows what a violent rushing wind is. It's called a hurricane. Yep. 
or it's called a tornado. And everything a tornado or a hurricane hits in its full power and its full velocity, listen, it is never the same again. So here, there's these 120 believers. They just, they're gathering out of faithful obedience to Jesus. And they have no idea what's going to happen. In fact, one of my favorite verses is in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. The scripture tells us that the church gathered together and they prayed. They just prayed. They were just praying out of faithful obedience. And here's why. Because in Acts chapter 1, verse 4... Jesus tells them, listen, I need you guys to wait in Jerusalem because there's something coming for you. And there's something, what's coming is critical. What's coming, there is no substitute for what I'm about to give you, but you have to wait for it. Now, let's just riff here, just for you got to stay with me here for a second. So Jesus dies and he's resurrected from the dead. And we find in all the gospel accounts that there's all these, these post-resurrection interactions that Jesus has with his disciples that give us a little bit of a window into who Jesus is and what the kingdom of God is like and give us a little window into what we need as believers to continue to live a life of mission with Jesus. So in Luke's account, in Luke chapter 24, there's two guys that are walking, they're grieving and they're processing the death of Jesus, and he shows up right in their midst. The faithful presence of Jesus shows up right in their midst, and he comforts them. But then he begins to teach them, right? Are you guys with me on this? Are we walking? I'm going to move at a fast pace. He teaches them. The scripture says that he begins to, from the beginning of the scriptures through all the prophets and the Psalms and the the wisdom literature, Jesus begins to reveal who he is in the scriptures, and they said, what were not our hearts, what? Burning inside of us when he did that. Now imagine you're on the treadmill. Imagine you're taking a family walk around the park and Jesus shows up and begins to reveal the mysteries of who he is that are hidden within all of the entirety of the Old Testament scriptures. That is incredible, right? And then later he, he has a meal with them, breaks bread, and at that moment he's revealed and then he takes off. That's Luke's account. In John's account, those, they're all hiding in a room. And in John chapter 20, Jesus steps right into the room. And what does he say to them? Peace. So in Luke, he's teaching them. He's revealing himself to them. He's showing up in a meal. He's comforting them. In John's account, Jesus shows up right in the middle. Here's his presence again. And he imparts his peace over their lives. And then it says he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. In Matthew's account, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, he says. This is post-resurrection. He calls all the disciples together and he says, guys, listen, because of my faithfulness and obedience to God, he's given me the authority that belonged to you when you were in the garden that you gave up. Now I've come back and I've reclaimed that authority. So all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Now, therefore, go. All right, in Acts chapter 1, verses, three, verses 2 and 3, we find that in these days after the resurrection, Jesus is teaching his disciples about the kingdom. So now we've got, we've got comfort, we got his presence, we got revelation, we have, he's sharing a meal with them, we have authority, we have peace, we have his teaching, one-on-one post-resurrection. And then he says this, but it's not enough. It's not enough. Well, hold up, like, 
I have been sitting at the feet of the one who was resurrected from the dead. I know. And what I'm about to give you is better than that. That's why he says in verse 4, look at verse 4. He says, wait for the gift. Wait for the gift. I know that I've done some amazing things in these 40 days, but I'm about to go back to heaven. And what I'm going to give you is crucial. It is crucial for the future of the church. It is crucial for the way that you stand up against the enemy. It is crucial for, guys, guys, listen, every message that we've preached in this Holy Spirit series, they all culminate with this one outpouring. They culminate with the promise of the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father has promised you. Guys, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a promise. It's a promise. And it is a promise made by God himself, instituted by Jesus, fulfilled by the Holy Spirit, that is for every living human being. Let me, let me just kind of walk through this some more. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the day of Pentecost comes. The Holy Spirit is poured out. And then there's a group of people that start making fun of these believers that are in this upper room. They say, oh, these guys must be drunk with wine. And then Peter, mind you, who just weeks prior was denying Jesus out of cowardice and fear, stands up emboldened by the Holy Spirit. He is a new man. And he begins to preach under the power of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to do exactly what Jesus did in Luke 24. He goes back to the Old Testament scriptures and he begins to reveal what is happening and who Jesus is. And then all of a sudden, these people are like, oh my gosh, like, what what do I do with this? Look with me at Acts chapter 2, verse 32. Acts chapter 2, verse 32. It says, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. This is Peter preaching. He says, verse 33, he's exalted to the right hand of God. And Jesus has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. The promised Holy Spirit. Guys, the outpouring, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a promise. And it has been promised throughout all of the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't even know what they were waiting for, but they were waiting for something that God had encoded into Old Testament prophetic literature and just out of faithfulness and obedience, they're saying, God, we don't know what we're waiting for, but we're waiting for it because you promised it. And then Peter stands up and he says, what we all experienced is the very thing that God has been promising his church for hundreds of years. So then they're cut to the heart. They realize that they have been complicit in the crucifixion of Jesus. And they say, well, what do we do with this? And then he begins to preach to them the gospel. Look at verse 38. Peter replied, well, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's our word again. The promise is for you. Everybody say, the promise is for me. The promise is for you. The promise is for you watching online. The promise of the outpouring and the infilling and the endowment and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is for you. You know who else it's for? Keep reading. It's for your children. 
It's, it's for the generations that are yet to be brought forth. Because everything that God does in Scripture is multi-generational in nature. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So whenever God does something in the earth, he's not only thinking about one generation. He's the God who sees thousands of years beyond this moment right now and how our faithfulness in the spirit will impact and shape and influence many generations that are beyond us. Right? Everything that God is doing in your life is not just for you. And whether or not you have biological children, there are children spiritually, right? This is one of the reasons why we get up and we talk about children's ministry because the promise is not just for the, for the adults. The promise is not just for big church. The promise is for you and for your children and your grandchildren. Even to a thousand generations, God has made promises that we participate with. But then he says this, and the promises for all who are far off. Your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends, your prodigal children. God is saying, I've made a promise to them too. It's available for them. And God is working on behalf of those that are far from him so that his promise will be made known in their lives. Friends, the power of the spirit being poured out is a promise that was realized in Pentecost. But here's the second thing that we see gets funner from here, guys, right? We find not only in Pentecost the promise of God realized, but we find that God has made a power available for us collectively and individually to live the life that we were always created to live in him. Look at Acts chapter one, verse eight. Acts chapter one, verse eight, God says, Jesus says, inspired by God, you will receive, say it with me. Oh my gosh, that was the worst. I'm sorry, Holy Ghost. We're going to work on these guys, right? Okay, let me just, just, I'm just time out. We're going to do a little teaching here. Because when you say power, you got to say it like, you got to say it with power. Okay, all right. So my boy Christian right here was the hype man for his hoop squad in college. Okay, and when you're trying to get, when you're trying to get people hype, you're not like, you're not like, let's go. Woo. Okay? So from now on, when I say power, I want you to say power. Okay? So you will receive power. Oh, there we go. There's a there's a live church. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now I just gotta teach you here for a second. Because in John chapter 20, we found that Jesus shows up to his disciples and they're hiding out in this room and he breathes on them. And what does he say? He says, receive the Holy Spirit. Earlier in John, he's teaching his disciples, and here's what he tells them. He says, he says, the Spirit has been with you. Now think about this. How has the Spirit been with the disciples all this time? The Spirit was with the disciples because he was in and upon Jesus in his fullness. So the disciples are going, okay, the Spirit has been with us. And then Jesus promises them, he says, but yet there's coming a moment when he will be what? He will be in you. But this isn't the language that we're looking at in Acts chapter 1 because we have he's been with you and he will be in you. But now all of a sudden he's saying, but then there's going to come a moment when the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He will come on you and wait for the gift. What is the gift? The gift is the Holy Spirit coming upon you. The gift 
is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. He says it like this, John baptized you with water unto repentance, but there is coming one who will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Notice that anything, wind and fire are the two manifestations of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Why is that? Because everything that a violent wind touches, it never leaves the same. And everything a true fire touches, it burns up and consumes, and it's never the same. This is not coincidental stuff here, you guys. This isn't just poetic language. God uses these manifestations of the Spirit to speak to realities in our lives. He will disorient you, and he will consume sin in your life, and he will make you clean, and he will burn out ungodliness in your life, and he will use you in a way that you've never imagined before. Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Some of us are frustrated because we're looking at our life and we're not seeing the fruit of God's power in our lives. Now, this is, I need you to look at this right here. We need the power of God every day for everything that we do. Everything. There's going to, there's going to be a slide that's going to come up here really, really, really soon. And the slide says this. We need the power of God for everything that we do every day of our lives. Now, I want you to just do a rundown. Take inventory. There it is. We need the power of God every day for everything that we say and do, not just the things that you think are spiritual. See, we live like dualists. Do you know what a dualist is? If I throw a big, you know, a big whiteboard up here and I just draw a line right down the middle, and on one side I put spiritual and everything, I put secular over here. Then on the spiritual side, what would we put over there? Right, we put church, prayer, reading my Bible, preaching, praying, witnessing, worshiping, going on a mission trip, and we put all that over there. The problem is, is that when we call those things spiritual, what about everything else in life? What about studying? Right? What, what, about, what about our marriage? What about the way that we work? What about cleaning my house? Right? That's spiritual. That the way that I do, that's spiritual. Because in God, listen, you need to understand this worldview. Everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. The music you listen to, it's spiritual. There is a spiritual component to it. Your conversation is spiritual. The way you get up in the morning is spiritual. And you need the Holy Spirit for everything that you do. Some of you are going, well, I know, I know how to do this. I've ran expense reports. I've, I've seen patients and clients. Yeah, that was that one. What about the next one? See, we're, we're frustrated because we're not experiencing spiritual fruit because most of what we're doing is in our own power. Is in our own power. Now watch this. You have to give, you've got to give the Holy Spirit something to empower. Now you can't just sit back and pray in tongues and expect you're going to pass a test if you ain't study. Are you hearing me today? Okay, so let's not get overly spiritual. Like everything in God is blended and balanced perfectly. Study to show yourself approved and give him something that he can anoint. Are you hearing me today? Do the work. Go through counseling. Pray for your marriage. But go through counseling. Right? And, 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 and invite the empowerment of the Holy Spirit into your marriage or with your children or whatever it is. You need power for everything that you do in life, friends. The moment your feet hit that floor in the morning, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, because it sets the entire tone and trajectory of your entire day. 
And the moment when you lay your head back to, you know, on the pillow at night, you need the power of the Holy Spirit and everything in between. Anybody ever wash dishes angry? Come on now. Why I was washing dishes? Huh? Why are these dang kids washing dishes for me? Huh? How come Shane? You need the, you know, you need the power of the Holy Spirit right now. You, you, you know, most of us are so tired and burnt out because we're trying to, and we're doing good things. But we're doing good things in our own power. Now let me show you a couple of verses that are going to blow your mind. It's going to get really fun from here. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. You and I have no idea what's been made available to us by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is why, guys, listen, get this. This is why Jesus says, friends, don't, don't rush out the gates. Don't rush out the gates. They're all like, no, no, Jesus, we've been with you for three years, man. Like, you resurrected, bro, let's go. He's like, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait for it. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Thank you, Paul. Why are you praying that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation? So that, the so that is there for a reason. So that you may know him better. I pray that we would all have wisdom and revelation so that we would know the heart and the nature and the character and the person of Jesus. But then he also prays. And I also pray that God would open the eyes of your understanding. Some translations say that the eyes of your spirit would be enlightened. That light would come to your spirit man. And why? Three things. These are three things that Paul is praying that your spiritual eyes would be open to. Number one, that you would know the hope to which he has called you. There is a hope for every believer. And when things get darker and things are shaken down, it's hard to hope. You cannot conjure up hope in yourself. But there is a hope that he has called you and me to that is spiritual and supernatural in nature that he will give us revelation to. Oh, my God. This is why Paul says in Romans chapter 8, like, I I don't even count it worth comparing to this present suffering. Pales in comparison to the eternal weight of glory that I'm going to inherit. You know what that is? That's hope. But it comes by revelation. Comes by revelation. Number two, he says, you've also been given the riches of a glorious inheritance. Like, like, this is what Paul is saying. Don't quit the race just meters or inches before the finish line because there is an inheritance that has been given to you, but you've got to finish this thing, right? We need revelation for those things. Oh, that's great. That's good. But this is powerful. Look at the next verse. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened so that you would know the incomparably great power. Say power. Power. For who? For us. Now look at that word incomparably. What What does incomparably mean? It means that the power that he's made available to you, it means that there is no other power on the planet that can compare to it. And just, for, just so he can qualify that for you, he begins to break it down. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the incomparably great power that is available for us who believe. Well, Paul, what is that power like? Let me tell you. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead.
which was an unprecedented, impossible miracle that changed, guys, listen, it changed the literal landscape of life for all eternity. And what God did in that moment with Jesus, when he tore through the veil of death and darkness, and he set a new world into motion, he says, yep, that same power that I did, that's available for you. That power is available for you. That power is available for your job. That power is available. So when we go to work and we're frustrated with that supervisor, that colleague, that coworker, he's like, this is great. I've got power for that. I've got power to give you for that. You need creative ideas for that. I've got power. Listen, all the creativity in the world was not used up by Elon Musk. Okay? And listen, listen, listen. I get a little, I get a little aggravated because that guy doesn't even have the spirit of God inside of him. Are you with me? Like the one who created the galaxies and the stars has given you and me that same power. There is no problem that is beyond you because the same power that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, there's no sin struggle that he can't break. There is no impossible situation because the same power that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, he has given it to you. Let's, let's learn a little bit more about this power, shall we? Because he exerted this power when he raised Christ from the dead. And if it's not like that was enough, then he seated Christ at his right hand in the heavenly realms. How? Far above. Guys, you, you got you to get enamored with language. Far above. All rule. All dominion. All authority. All prince. I'm not scared of principalities. I'm not scared of the enemy. I'm not scared of what the enemy wants to, you know. Why? Because the same power that God exerted, which is far above all rule, all authority, all dominion, every realm has been given to you, friends. You know, every single one of us are living beneath our potential. Like when you get that, and that is not a condemning word. That is not a condemning word. That is a word that should inspire us. Oh my God, there's more inside of me because you're inside of me. There's more inside of me because I don't even realize how much more you have. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. A couple verses, a couple chapters over. How many of you guys are getting something today? Yeah. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul's praying again. Notice in Ephesians 1:17, Paul said, I keep asking. I keep asking. I keep asking that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that he would open the eyes of your... Why do you keep asking the same thing, Paul? Number one, because it is absolutely critical. And number two, because when you think you got it, you don't have it anymore. Because you need it so desperately, and every one of us are prone to falling back into our own level of wisdom and experience. And you need the Holy Spirit today, June 12th, 2022, like you didn't need him yesterday, just 24 hours ago. Are you hearing me today? It's new in every moment of every day of your life. You need the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So Paul again prays in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he would strengthen you. Strengthen. When you feel weak, when you feel fatigued, when you feel weary, when you feel like giving up, this is a prayer. Go here. 
Oh God, would you strengthen me with power through your spirit who lives where? In your inner being. His spirit is inside of you to give you indomitable power and to strengthen you. He'll strengthen your emotions. He'll strengthen. Some of us need emotional resolve, and he will give it to you. Some of us need mental fortitude. He'll give it to you. Some of us just need physical endurance. He'll give it to you. But then he goes on. He's like, I'm praying that God would fill you with his glorious power so that Christ may dwell, he may live in the home of your heart through faith. And I pray that you would be rooted, grounded, and established in love. Okay, why? Why? So that, that you may have power. Listen to how many times he references power in these four verses. I pray that you would have power together with all of the Lord's holy people. Here's the collective aspect again. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Guys, listen to this. Listen to this. This is, son- this is sonship. Now notice this. You can't even fathom the love that God has for you without the Holy Spirit giving you power to understand it. And I think, I think a revelation of the Father's love and walking in the reality of who we are as beloved sons and daughters is square one. It's square one. We've not even gone down the bootleg, the bootleg purple, you know, on Monopoly. We've not even gone down like the ghetto yet. We've not even gone there. We're on square one right here, right? Boardwalk and Park Place are like way on the other side. He's like square one is you got to know how much the Father loves you. But guess what? You can't even have power to know how much the Father loves you without the Holy Spirit giving you power to understand that. Isn't that amazing? Then he says right here, let's, let's go back to those verses, Ephesians 3, that you may have power together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ, verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. Now, we like this next verse. Look at verse 20. We love this verse. We charismatic and word of faith people, we quote this all the time. But, but we quote this without understanding the precursor, and this is why it's becoming empty. This is why we're not, we're not, we're not seeing the fullness of it. Because we go, now he, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think or imagine. It is. And then we stop. But look right here. According to what? Which is at work. Where? So to the degree that you have revelation by the Spirit of God, to the degree that you are aligning yourself with the power of God, to the degree that you soak yourself in the revelation of God's scripture and the power of God that's available, to that degree are you able to tap in to the God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think or imagine. There's something that comes before it. And the thing that comes before it is the outpouring of the spirit that gives us revelation of his power that is at work in our lives. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, last verse. Somebody has mentioned this verse. I don't know if I was listening to it on a podcast, I just, but it just kind of flew out there and it stuck. You ever have somebody like say a scripture or say a word or an axiom and it just flies by and just, just kind of like latches onto you? That it just, this, this verse has just stuck onto me the past couple of weeks. And it says this in 2 Peter 1, 3. It says that his divine his divine power. 
has given us what? What do you need? What do you need in your life right now? What do you need? Think about this. Take inventory. What do you need? Do you need a breakthrough in some area of your life where you just feel like you've been stuck in a rut? Do you need revelation? Do you need new, new motivation? What do you need? Do, do you need healing? Do you need deliverance? What, what do you need? Do you need creative ideas for solutions at work? Do you need peace? What, what do you need? Like, think about this, guys. Like, right now, engage. Don't let this message go over your head. What do you need? Every day, wake up and go, this is what I need. Now watch this. His divine power has given you everything you need. Everything you need. Everything. Everything you need. For what? For life. For life. You need provision. Guess what? It's going to come by your revelation of the divine power of God working in your life. Some of you are called to generate and steward wealth in the world. Right? There's a billion books on there on how to be wealthy. Here's what I'm here to tell you today. God has power to give you everything you need for life. He knows what you need. He knows how you need it. He knows when you need it. And his power is the one who will give you everything you need for life. Everything you need for life. Everything you need. And what do you need? His divine power will give you everything you need for life and godliness. I'm just, I'm just so frustrated with myself. I don't feel like I can change. I just I can't get past the sin. That's great. Look, his divine power will give you everything you need for godliness. I just feel like I'm just, you know, just... I keep blowing up at my kids. Yeah, you know, I just, I just, uh. His divine power will give you everything you need for godliness, to be a man of God, to be a woman of God in the earth in this hour. His divine power will give you everything you need. Let's look at this, let's look at this next verse, or the same verse, 2 Peter 1, 3. And Jonathan, you come on up. Thank you so much. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now, Everett, I didn't have you put this, this verse 4 on there. And I don't know if you can do it. I'm going to read verse 4. I'm going to read verse 4. Because I, I, I want this in your bones, church. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his glory and by his goodness. Verse four says this, and through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. His power has given you everything you need through his own glory and goodness. And by his glory and by his goodness and by his power, he's given you promises. And his promises reveal his character. His promises are invitations into his nature. Are you guys hearing this today? God wants you to participate in the nature of God. And that's been made available to you by his great 
and precious promises revealed by his spirit and the power of God, which is at work in your life. Friends, stand with me this morning. Five key characteristics of Jesus' life and ministry. Jesus was born of a virgin. That was a miracle, right? And it was necessary because if he wasn't born of a virgin, it didn't matter if he died. You were right? Okay, so he's born of a virgin without sin, lived a sinless life, died an unjustly death. Now, if he wasn't resurrected, it didn't matter if he died. So it's critical. It is critical for the mission of God and the kingdom of God on the earth that Jesus was born of a virgin. It was critical that he took the sins of humanity on himself. It was critical that he was resurrected from the dead. But watch this. If Jesus doesn't ascend to the heavens, his resurrection stops with him. Yay, Jesus. Awesome. Great story. Great story. And we just keep living as slaves in Egypt. But he ascended. This is what he says, unless I go to the Father, I can't pour out my spirit. But the Father promised the outpouring of the spirit so that we could have the same power that Jesus had to live the life that Jesus lived. And if there's no Pentecost, all of this means nothing. Are you here with me today, church? You need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled. You need to be baptized every single day. Listen, listen, don't get caught up in tongues or not tongues. Or I was at this church one time and they waved flags and it was weird. Don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in that. Well, I heard some places they barked like dogs. Don't, don't get caught up in that. There are What you need to get caught up in is that God promised you a gift. And he's been waiting for thousands of years to give it to you. Imagine that. Imagine working and saving. And you've got something. Imagine bringing an engagement ring to someone. And they just wrote up on like, ah, I don't really need that. Like, Like, feel that. Because God has deemed that you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a non-negotiable. It is a non-negotiable. You cannot live the Christian life without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I will go to my grave believing that. And I want you to experience the outpouring and the fullness of the Spirit of God. Not just for your life but for every single human being that's connected to you. Will you just throw up your hands like this? Oh God, today I pray, fill us with your spirit. Don't let me pray this prayer for you. You pray this for yourself, guys. Ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Ask God to pour his spirit out on you. Ask God for the presence and the power of Pentecost to be a daily reality in your life. God, I need your power in my marriage. God, I need your power in my preaching. God, I need your power in my writing. God, I need your power just to wake up in the morning with with hope and joy and strength. I need your power to lay hands on the sick and see them recovered. God, I need your power today. I need your power. 
I need the Holy Spirit, God. Fill me afresh with the Spirit of the living God. Put a new song in my mouth. Set my feet upon a rock, oh God. I need your power to be a, a city changer, to be a life changer, God. I need your power to break generational cycles off of my family, oh God. Lord, I need your power to live in this hour, to live in this day where darkness is encroaching and when darkness is just like a canopy. God, I I need your power to break through the wall of darkness and death and disappointment and depression and destruction in my life, oh God. Fill me with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit today, I pray, almighty God. Oh, Holy Spirit of the living God. Holy Spirit of the living God, be poured out on us today. Do it again. Do it again every day, God. Let us experience Pentecost every single day. Hallelujah. Friends, you know this was this, this message is not possible. Pentecost is not possible without Jesus laying down his life and shedding his blood. So we're going to come. We're going to honor that. Today, I invite you to come to the table to receive the body and the blood of Jesus. of you unfamiliar with the church calendar. Church calendar begins with Advent, where Advent forms us to long for the kingdom of God and the new creation, the return of Christ, right? We go from there into Christmas. Christmas forms us into a grateful people, realizing that God has given the gift of his son. We go from that into Epiphany, where that forms us by the revelation of Jesus, that we're called to be Christ bearers, are you with me, right? Right. Then we go into Lent. Lent forms us to be broken and humble, joining with God in his suffering, to lay down his life. You enter into the suffering of God, it forms you. And then that takes us into Resurrection Sunday, and that forms us with hope and with life. Resurrection, the season of Easter, goes all the way to Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is the only part of the church calendar that doesn't go into another season. You know what happens? After Pentecost Sunday, it's this thing called ordinary time. And ordinary time goes from here all the way to Advent. To which you go, why do you, why do you give me Pentecost? And like rent me all up. And then just like throw me into ordinary time. 
because you need the power of the Holy Spirit to live in the ordinary moments of your life. And listen, man, I thank God for the wind and the fire, but listen, ask for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit every day and believe that you received it even if you don't have some powerful manifestation. And take inventory, watch, track it. You will, you will begin to see growth in your life. You'll begin to see courage grow. You'll begin to find yourself joining God in his mighty miraculous acts in the earth, in the ordinary things that you do in life. Come, come on. All right, let's come to this table. On the night the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. Break that in your hand. And he says, friends, this was my body. My body was broken for you. Take and receive. Let us receive the body of Christ. And in the like manner, he took the cup. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant for the remission of sins by the blood of the Lamb. Friends, listen to me. Your sins have been forgiven. It doesn't matter what it was you did or didn't do. They have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Take shame off of you. Those guilt clothes, don't, they don't fit you. They ugly, they're ugly. Guilt does not belong to you. It's not your portion, it's not your inheritance. So let shame and guilt and fear and insecurity and doubt, let it fall off of you because you've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Let us receive. Guys, thanks for giving me a few more minutes. I appreciate that. Let's sing a song of thanksgiving to the Lord. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. morning long I've been praying that today someone would come forward and that they would receive their prayer language which is one it's not the only but it's one sign or indicator or manifestation of being filled with the Holy Spirit it's not the only one don't be afraid of it God will never give you something negative when you ask for something good and I've been praying all morning long God I want our people to be a spirit-filled people Paul said I, I pray that all of you guys speak in tongues it's available for you it's for you Early in the first service, there were several people that came forward, and Kevin and Sabrina said, they said, man, that lady that you pointed us to, man, she got her prayer language today. And I am praying that that would happen for you. So I'm asking you, if you have a few minutes, come to one of these people who are charged up and ready to agree with you. And whether or not you leave this place speaking in tongues today or not, it doesn't matter. I believe you will someday in your Christian life. But here's what you can do. By faith, you can come and say, I want to be filled with the baptism of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit afresh and anew in my life. And we will agree with you. Now, may the Lord bless you guys. May the Lord fill you with the Spirit for each and everything that you put your hands to. May the Lord anoint you, endue you, empower you, fill you. And may you be sent out of this place to join Jesus in his mission to reveal the kingdom of God to every people, tribe, and tongue. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. God bless you.